Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now let's join Associate Pastor Chuck Coburn as he teaches from the Word of God. There was an archaeologist up in New York, and he dug about 10 feet down into the ground, and he noticed there was copper cabling. He said, how about that? A hundred years ago, New Yorkers had telephones. Well, the rumor had spread throughout the entire United States, so there was an archaeologist out in California. So he decided he did not want to be outdone. He dug about 20 feet down and noticed there was some copper uh, solvent and some silver linings. He said, well, how about that? Over 200 years ago, folks out in California had communication as well. well. Wouldn't you know it, that rumor got spread around too. And there was this guy by the name of Billy in Wakulla County. And Billy did not want to be outdone. So Billy dug down 30 feet and he didn't find anything. He looked, he looked, he looked. He could not find the first thing 30 feet down in the dirt. And Billy said, I know what had happened. Over 300 years ago, Florida had already gone wireless. (laughs) If you have your Bibles, turn with me to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. When I was growing up, I had a good friend in school with me. His name was Gene. And Gene was just kind of one of those goof-off cut-ups. You know, you didn't, you never what you could expect from Gene. And, and I'll never forget, we were in a trigonometry class, and we took a test, and Gene made a zero on the test. I mean, tried to answer every question and made a zero. Now, you have to understand, if he's in trig, he's got to be pretty smart. But he made a zero, and of course, we laughed at him and joked about him and told him he probably wasn't going to graduate high school and, you know, had fun with him. Well, that was kind of, I guess, the, the revelation or the epiphany in Gene's life. Uh, you know, we graduated high school. We went on to different colleges, and, and then I began to find out, well, what, what, what old Gene's doing nowadays? You know, hopefully he's not in prison or anything, you know. Come to find out, my cut-up, goof-all friend that made a zero on a trig test in high school, basically got serious about life and about a schooling and became a nuclear engineer. And at first when I thought, I I thought, there's no way Gene could do that. There's no way. Not Gene. I mean, anybody but Gene. But what, you know, I learned and you learn is that he finally got to the place where he got tired of failing stuff and he wanted to take life serious, and he took life serious, and now he's just taken off, which is amazing to me. I don't think any of us like to take tests. And you know, there are all kind of tests in life. I mean, think about it in a school. You know, if you're going to college, you could have an entrance exam, you got an exit exam, you got midterms, you have finals. I mean, even if you're in high school or middle school, you got weekly tests. And if you were to ask just anybody, do you like tests? They would say no. There's also tests for software. I mean, 
Believe it or not, in the technology we live, they've got tests for integration. Is this functional? Is it performance-based? Is it backwards compatible? And I mean, if we really want to have fun, then we start looking at some of our physical tests. Like if you're going to go get a job, they give you a drug test. And you can't really stay up late to pass that one. You're either going to pass it or not. You know, they have pregnancy tests and some people hope they never fail that one. And they do. I mean, think about it. you have heart casts for heart tests and always the dreaded one after you turn 50, the colonoscopy. I mean, you, you know, we, we have tests beyond belief. And probably we wonder why do we have all of these tests in our life? We even have spiritual tests. And this morning, I want to speak to you on the subject, passing the test. Because there are tests in our life spiritually. So if you have your Bibles, James chapter 1, let's look at verses 2 through 8. James says, dear brothers and sisters, when, and notice that key word, when, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when, there's the key word again, when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask Him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is unsettled as a way of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. So we, we see by those one word you probably never want to see is that word when, because that means it's going to happen that we are going to have tests placed in our life spiritually. Most of us don't like them. Most of them don't want them. In fact, the number one reason kids don't like going to school is tests. And in fact, if you were to ask anybody, would you like to do away with tests? We would all say yes. We all want to do away with tests in life. But if we do not have tests then we would never grow and develop. See, the whole point of having tests in life is to prep you and prepare. You think about this. If you were to take the common student and say, listen, I'm going to be teaching English this year and we're not going to have the first test. How many of you would really study and read your work? And all of you would say what? No. I mean, let's be honest. Teenagers, would you really read? Your... Now, there's always one oddball out, you know, the person that likes to. But 99.9% of anybody, if you were taking a college test or a college class or a class at school, and they were saying, this class is just based upon you just being here and enjoying, we're not going to take a test, you would not read the first stitch of literature in front of you. But then you would not grow and develop as a human being. And so we have to have tests in order to be able... To, to regulate in order to be able to, to get you to grow spiritually, to be able to grow physically. And as I mentioned, as we read in verse 2, is that everyone has tests. See, none of us are exempt from tests. Every one of us have tests. In fact, that's what it says in verse 2. Dear brothers and sisters, 
when troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. Why? For you know that when your faith is tested. James saying, listen, you're going to be tested. And I hate to disappoint you teenagers, but you're only at the beginning of life. You're going to be tested for the rest of your life. So you might as well enjoy and get ready. Just, just life. We, we're going to be tested. What did James know about testing? Well, James was the brother of Jesus. Could you imagine growing up? Don't you should be like your brother? I wish you were like your older brother, Jesus. You know, he's perfect. <laughs> How would you like to have Jesus as your brother? And you know, you could never really provoke him to fight you because he was so mature. And I mean, poor James tested. But you have to understand, James is one of the greatest tests was not just being the brother of Jesus, but it was just the persecution that James went through during his life. And do you realize that if James and the first church of the New Testament had never been persecuted and never been scattered, more than likely you and I would not be here today. It was that scattering, that persecutions that sent Christians globally everywhere so that we would all hear about the love and the salvation of Jesus Christ. So when James is writing to this group, it's not like James is writing in ignorance. James is like, I'm writing this, and I know exactly where you're at, and I know exactly where you're coming from. Listen, we're all going to be tested. We're all going to have these issues and things in our life that we are going to have to learn to deal with, and we're going to have to learn to cope with and learn to overcome because it's just life. We're all going to be tested. So church, just want to let you know you're being tested. And God is testing you and God is testing me. And the reason why he's testing us is to build us and to grow us up. And typically the tests that we take in life are never by surprise. I mean, do you realize most tests that you ever take in life are not, not by surprise? I mean, for instance, if you are in high school, you're in middle school, you're in college, when you sign up, like in college, on day one, they give you a syllabus and they give you a book. I mean, so you know what's going on. They give it to you. And so when a test comes, it really, it's really not a surprise. It may be a surprise to you because you didn't stop and study and read and prepare, but you should have. I'll never forget, I had an Old Testament professor in Bible college. His name was Dr. Lee. And Dr. Lee would give pop tests. He'd never tell you when, but he would give them. But he'd let you know that sometime during the week, we'd have at least two or three pop tests. Here was always his first question on his pop test. Did you read the assignment? Because, see, if you read the assignment, the rest of the test would be easy. If you didn't read the assignment, then you would fail it. Just that simple. And I love the way Dr. Lee would pray. And this is exactly how he prayed. Right before every test, here's how he'd pray. He'd say, Lord, and let me, let me do it like Dr. Lee would do. He'd say, Lord, if they have studied, give them mercy. And if they haven't, give them judgment. That was his prayer before every test we ever took. Lord, if they've studied, give them mercy. If they haven't, give them judgment. You'd study real quick, wouldn't you, after that one? <laughs> Just a wonderful man. But, but that's where we're at in life, is that we're being tested, and a lot of us 
know we're getting ready to be tested, but yet we're not preparing for the test. The problem with most people is that we have taken Christianity far too light. Far too light. And here's how most people look at Christianity. They look at it as a punch ticket into heaven. So here's what you need to understand this morning. If Christianity is only good for salvation, then it's not Christianity. Let me repeat that. If Christianity is only good for salvation, then it's not Christianity. Because, see, Christianity is a life-changing transformation in somebody's life that will change you the moment that you embrace and you encounter Jesus Christ. So if the only thing you're doing with, your, with Christianity today is just for a salvation, just for me to have my ticket punched into heaven, see, you're failing life's test miserably because I know what you're not doing because you're not probably getting up in the morning and reading the Word of God. You're, and the only time you do pray is when you're in that test and saying, God, I'm in this tragedy, this trial, please help me. And God understands that. He put it there for you to learn but you haven't studied, so more than likely you're going to fail the test because you're not learning. Do you realize if you fail the third grade, you repeat the third grade? I mean, it's just a common fact. I used, when I was a youth pastor, I used to teach youth. They'd say, I'd say, what grade are you in? They'd say, like, sixth grade or eighth grade. I'd say, you know what? Eighth grade was the best three years of my life. <laughs> just kind of joking. But the truth is, is that when you fail... You have to repeat. And a lot of you today are failing over and over, and you can't figure out why. Is because you're not passing the test that God's giving you. And you say, well, the reason why I'm failing and not passing is because I don't know how. And the reason why you don't know how is because you haven't read the answer. When you read the answer, you will pass the test. It's just that simple. But we treat it casual I, i'm kind of a cartoon guy and, and and a commercial guy and i want to show you this cur- commercial because i think this is probably most people with their christianity seneca go ahead could could you imagine could you imagine having a doctor saying well i just got him reinstated well not really are you nervous well, yeah i'm nervous we'll, we'll figure it out don't worry you'd come off the, you'd come out of that bed immediately we we cannot treat our walk with Jesus Christ as just being okay. Amen. Our, our walk with Christ ought to be everything in our life. Because we are to be given tests. And we've got to prepare and be ready for those tests. And Christ has given us the answers for the test. So that we can pass the test and move forward. And it's real clear in verse 4 why he the reason for the test. In verse 4 we read the reason for the test. The test is to develop and mature you. Look what he says in verse 4. So let it grow for when your endurance is fully developed. The reason, James says, the reason why you're being tested in life is because God's trying to mature you. God's trying to grow you. God's trying to help you because you are like everybody else in life. You're not going to mature and grow on your own. We have to give you some accountability. We have to give you some things to help you move forward. And so James says the reason why this is happening in your life is so that God can grow you spiritually as an individual. The reason why these events happen in our life, church, is because God's trying to grow you up. God's trying to make you a, a mature person. I mean, come on, you've been around people, they've been out of school for 20 years and they still act like they're 10 years old. They've never grown up. 
And there are some Christians the same way, if you would call them Christians. They say they've been in church for 30 years, but yet you still see them doing the same thing over and over again. They're failing the test. And the reason they're failing the test is because they haven't studied to pass the test. Tests are pretty interesting. And we read this in in Malachi chapter 3. We also read this in James chapter 4 verse 8. God will give you a test because he wants to see what contamination is in your life. God gives you these things because he wants to let you know what sin is invading your life and it's destructing your life. The reason why these tests are happening, because God wants you to be aware of the issues, the habits, the things that are going on in your life that are causing you to walk away from him. Purification. They have to purify gold. They have to purify silver. They do it through heat. God is trying to purify the infirmities, the impurifications out of your life so that you will shine glorious for him rather than looking dirty and mucky and muddy, rather than suffering and being in just a a failure state of mind. God wants you to be successful and achieve great things for him. I love what G.K. Chesterton said. He says, I believe in getting into hot water. I think it keeps you clean. Makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, come on. You remember when you had your first child? I mean, you boiled the passy, you boiled everything. And by child number three came along, if it dropped in the dirt, you didn't even clean it off. You just stuck it right back in the kid's mouth. It didn't matter. It was good. Chesterson says we get into hot water because it purifies us and it cleans us. The reason why God allows you and I to get into hot water is because he's trying to purify your life. He's trying to to clean you up. He is preparing you for the final exam. God is getting ready to prepare you and prepare me for the final exam. I don't know when your final exam is, but I know it will be soon. Okay, some of you sooner than later. And and your final exam is not going to just be simply, well, I went to church... Well, I said a prayer. It's not going to be that way. Your final exam is going to be a pass-fail. And there is no repeat of this one. You're either going to pass it or fail it. So I want to help you this morning to make sure you pass it. I want to make sure you know Jesus is Lord and Savior, that, you, that He is the love and the Lord of your life, and that, that when you come into things, you are working hard to be successful and mature as an individual. I have a daughter that's in college (laughs) and she's playing softball and boy, has it been an eye awakening experience. She gets up at five o'clock in the morning so she can be ready by 545 to go work out for a few hours. Comes back, showers, goes to class. After class, she gets a bite to eat. Then she goes to practice for about another four or five hours. Comes back, studies, gets up the next day and does it all over again. And then just for some, some days, they do some cardio, some conditioning. Some of the conditionings is crazy. 20 laps in an Olympic-sized pool. You get out, you put a pair of shoes on, and you bike for a few miles. You come back, you work out with some weights, you do some planking, and do it all over again. And I asked her, I said, has he ever lightened up on you? And her answer was, just when we get adjusted, Dad, he makes it harder. Why does he make it harder, church? He's preparing them. He's getting them ready for the, for the spring, so when they play, they won't tire out. When they, when they play, they won't fatigue. 
Just to be honest with you, I mean, do you remember the very first game of the season with FSU? What was their number one problem for losing, so to speak, was they were not conditioned. That was, that was the quote from the coach. They're not conditioned. God is conditioning us and preparing us for life. But the problem is, is that a lot of us are studying for a science test in a history book or in a, or in a Facebook and you're failing. The reason why some of you are so caught up in a continuous cycle of pain and misery is because you're using the world's ways to try to escape from the world's problems. And it'll never work. You keep making the ba- bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. I-, I love this commercial. They only come on about once a year. It's the, it's the Geico commercial about bad choices where you see these four teenagers, they're running out of the woods and they come to the house. And the guy says, why don't we hide in the attic? No, that's a dumb idea. Why don't we go hide in the basement? No, 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 no. And the little girl says, why don't we just get in the running car? Well, that's a stupid idea. Why don't we hide behind the chainsaws? And my, the whole thing of, the, of the, the commercial that I like is when they get behind the, the chainsaw, you see the guy pull off his mask and he just shakes his head like, you've got to be kidding me. And I think sometimes God just puts his hand over his head and looks at us and goes, you got to be kidding me. Of all of the help I've sent you through parents, through pastors, through teachers, you keep choosing the wrong thing? You keep doing it the wrong way? We need to trust in the Lord who will give you the plan. He will give you the path. He will give you the power and He will give you His promise to be set free from the problems that you're in. That's when you trust Jesus. He will make the difference in your life. And listen, when you need help, just ask. When you need help, all you have to do is ask. You're you're not in this world alone. Some of you think and feel that you are, but you're not. He tells us in verse 5, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask, be sure that your faith is in God alone. And do not waver for a person who with divided loyalty is unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. God says, listen, when you've got a problem in life, all you've got to do is ask me. We don't ask the Lord because we're scared of the answer he'll give us. I don't want that answer, Lord. Well, the answer God wants to give you is the one that's going to help you out in life. God, the answer you're giving me, I, I really don't quite understand. The answer that God's going to give you, you may not quite understand, but if you'll trust Him and follow Him, even if you never understand it, you'll just say, thank you that I've been delivered. Thank you that you got me out of this mess. Thank you that you've made me more mature today than I was yesterday. God, you've helped me get out of the mess. I mean, some of you may be smart enough. I'm not. Do you really know how electricity works? How it really turns your lights on and off? I mean, I really don't. All I know is when I flip that switch, bing, the lights are on. That's it. I mean, most of us really don't know how to operate a computer. We're just glad that we know it turns on and we can use our apps and do our things and get through. And then when the computer messes up, then you're like, oh, what do I do? We call the expert, right? God says, when you get in trouble with life, call the expert. I want to help you. 
And not only do I want to help you, the answers I give you will probably not quite be what you think they should be, but if you'll trust me, it'll be okay. I'll never forget, I was in seminary and I was taking an apologetics class. And I thought, apologetics? This will be the class I want to take because I love to argue. Man, I'm going to enjoy this class. I'm going to get to debate people and argue with people. And, and I'll never forget, I got the syllabus, I got the book. In the very first chapter, when I opened it up, I thought, oh, my stars, I am in way over my head. And so I, when I got into trouble, I just merely got my friend Miriam, not Miriam Gray. I got my friend Miriam Webster because I literally had to have the dictionary in this book side by side to kind of read the lingo and the language that I was reading in this apologetics class. Now, here's what was really funny. At the end of the class, the professor said, you know what, you're one of the few students that really understands this class. I thought, dude, you don't understand. I don't understand anything. I just know what you want, and I'm giving it back to you. But listen, I didn't understand the class, and that's why I did not pursue apologetics as a master's. I left that alone. You know, you take something, go, okay, that's not me. Leave that alone. But here's what I know. I got an A in the class, and I'm so thankful I got an A in the class. I didn't understand the first thing. I just understood what my professor wanted. And because I understood what my professor wanted, it gave me what I needed. God's asking you for things, and sometimes you may not understand quite what he wants. But if you will give him what he asked for, he will give you what you need. It's just that easy. But you do have to be a part. You do have to take part. I I love this cartoon. It was sent to me yesterday. It's Jesus knocking on the door, and here's what he says. He says, hey, Debbie, it's me, the Lord. Listen, you need to stop telling your doctor health is in my hands. You're going to have to watch your carbs and get your A1C checked on a regular, okay? (laughs) It's funny that we always come on Sunday and say, God, bail me out. And God's like, you know, eventually you're going to have to start doing some work in your life, okay? It's, It's not all the Lord sometimes. God wants you to be a part. It's a relationship. And the last time I look, a relationship takes 100% of you and 100% of the other person. If you're only given 50% of your relationship in your marriage, I promise you, it will fail. If your spouse, it will fail. It requires really 110% and 110% together. Together. Your relationship with God is the same way. If you're not giving it all to the Lord, He's not going to give it all to you. And that's why it's failing. Every test we take will be both an external and an internal challenge in your life. You're dealing with situations that you say, I don't know quite how to grasp. I mean, I'm dealing with some, some, some issues at work, maybe with some disgruntled employees or a disgruntled boss. Man, I'm dealing with issues at home with children, uh, with spouse. Uh, I'm, I'm dealing with some temptations. I'm, I'm, dealing, I'm dealing with some of my own self-confidence and self-worth. And then it becomes internal where you start doubting things, you start questioning things. And God says, listen, you don't have to do that. If you will come to the answer, it'll give it. One of the worst things anybody ever does on a true-false test is they read the question and then they try to, dissect the, they try to dissect the question so much that they wind up missing. Have you ever done that? Have you ever like, like true-false are like the worst test I can think I can ever take? Because when I read the question, I try to dissect every little word when I should just read the question and it says what it means, it means what it says, and answer it. When you're in problems in life, 
Don't try to dissect it so bad. You say, God, I'm having this problem. This is what I'm going through, Lord. I need help. Show me the answer. And God's going to give you the answer. And if you've been studying, if you've been preparing, when the question comes, you'll go, oh, 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 I was reading that the other day in the Bible. I'm not quite sure where that was, but I remember it went like this. So that's how I'm going to respond. Because I remember reading the answer already. We study in basically three different ways. We study corporately. We're studying today. And I hope you're learning that we're taking tests every day of our life. And God wants you to pass the test. And God's giving you the help and the encouragement to pass that. And you're learning that this morning. What did we learn last week? You taught me something today. And hopefully you're learning something today. We also study in groups. We have wonderful small groups in this church. We have a lot of Bible studies. Get involved so that you're just not doing it to be on Bible jeopardy one day. You're doing this so that when you're tested, you'll have the answer. And of course, you've got to study personally. You've got to get alone with the Lord. Now, let me just give you some words of encouragement. You're probably not going to pass every test you take, okay? I have failed many tests. And I could spend the rest of this day telling you how many tests I've failed, and we're not going to do that. We fail tests. But hopefully when you fail, you learn from that failure, and you don't repeat the same mistake twice. You, when you simply say, I am not going to take the test, what you're simply saying is, I'm failing in life. And if you don't take the test, you, pat, you fail the test, therefore you can't pass. Imagine this. What if you had a brand new baby and they're beginning to learn to walk and the first time they were walking, they fell and busted their lip? Well, we can't have that. That's pain involved. Therefore, I'm not going to let them ever learn to walk again. I'm just going to hold them for the rest of their life. Would that child love you when they're nine and ten and their friends are playing ball out in the backyard and they're swimming and their legs are not developed so they cannot run because you as a parent held them back? There is pain involved in learning in life. It's just life. But what you grow from and what you learn from this pain will just send you beyond your wildest dreams. Children fall, bust their lips, scrape their knees when they're learning to grow up. That's just life. You're going to fall and you're going to scrape your, your spiritual heart and bust a little bit growing up. But if you'll learn from that and move on in the Lord, He is going to mature you and develop you. And when you do that very thing, here are the results. Verse 4 makes it so clear. The results of the test is this. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, what? You will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Needing nothing. Jesus says, listen, if you'll trust me and allow me to grow you spiritually, and yes, it's going to be a little tough, it's going to be a little hard, but if you will grow me, if you allow me to grow you spiritually, listen, I'm going to grow you so you won't need another thing in life. Do you have needs today? If you have needs, you're missing Jesus. We have a lot of wants. Jesus said, I'm not going to give you your wants. He said, I'm going to give you your needs. And here's what you need to remember once again. That Christianity is just not for salvation. Listen, church, Christianity is the whole enchilada. It's the whole kit and caboodle. It's the whole ball of wax. It's the lock, stock, and barrel of life. It's the whole shebang. It should be the whole you. And when Christianity and Jesus becomes all of you, 
you won't mind. Life will be good. Sure, I've had problems in life. Sure, I've had difficulties. But because I have allowed Christ to grow me and mature me and develop me, and I've been involved in that, I'm, I'm not there yet, but I'm getting there. I'm passing the test. So when my final exam comes, I'll be able to pass the final exam. God has given each and every one of us tests every day so that you can learn from this test and pass this test so you can mature and develop as an individual, as a Christian, so that you can help others. When I was a a freshman in college, I took a humanities class. And I had an atheistic professor named Dr. Lyle. And it never failed that during the course of classes, he always would have to try to integrate the bads and the woes of Christianity. I would politely raise my hand and then rebuttal him very calmly. He's my professor. I respected him, but I would give the rebuttal. And it got to the place that anytime he would mention Christianity, he'd say, okay, hang on. Let's hear from the Christian. Go ahead and stay your part. And then he would move on. Made A's in every test in his class. When I got the final grade, I got a C. Well, I went to him. I mean, I'm, I'm 18 years old. I'm trying to figure out, wait, 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 wait. I made A's in the class. Why did I get? So I asked him, I said, Dr. Law, I made all A's in your class. How did I get a C? He said, well, Chuck, I just felt like you deserved a C. And because I'm the professor, I can do that. Now, I got to admit, I am not this mature. And I'm not this spiritual. But thank the Lord for the Holy Spirit. I said, Dr. Lyle, if you felt that that's what I deserve, then I will accept my C. I know I've done better, but if that's what you want to give me, then I will take it. And I walked away. Ten years later, I had a friend take him. He said, Chuck, you're not going to believe this. I'm in Dr. Lyle's humanities class. He is still talking about you ten years later. I made an A, get it? I was mature enough not to argue with him to, re- to disprove Christianity. I did the opposite. It impacted him because 10 years later, he is still talking about Chuck Coburn in the rebuttal with Christianity. We have to learn that when we face the trials in our life, God has already given you the answer. He wants you to use that answer to grow you and mature you, but not only that, impact your world. God's never going to leave you alone, church. He wants to help you. He wants you to pass these tests to mature you, to develop you and grow you so you can be a successful human being. That's it. That's it. It's just that simple. But you have to get involved. You have to be a part of that studying and understanding and talking and communicating so he can do that. Let me show you an example in closing this morning about how when you do the little things in life that God will help you pass the little test, he'll let you pass the big test. Read with me in 1 Samuel chapter 17. What a neat verse. This is David before King Saul. He's getting ready to go fight Goliath. And here's what David says. He says, don't worry about the Philistines, David told Saul. I'll go and fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. See, the world sees you as a failure. They see you as a little child. 
And he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. Here's the little test. I've been taking care of sheep and goats. I've been a goat roper. I've got this. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I'll go after it with a cub and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. David, here's David's little test. See, I've been a boy, and God has given me the power. God has given me the knowledge. God has given me the blessings and the grace to be able to watch my father's sheep and goats and defend lions and bears. Now, church, that's pretty impressive to be able to feed off lions and bears. The closest I've ever come is working in the nursery. That's about as close as I can get. <laughs> David says, I passed the little test. God has given me little tests because he knew I'd have a bigger test coming. God has given us little tests because he knows you have a bigger one coming. And notice how this ends. Next verse, he says, I have done this both to lions and bears, and I will do it to this pagan Philistine too. He has defiled the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws, the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. David said, God was with me in the little challenges of life. God's going to be with me in the big challenges and I'm not afraid because I sing to him, I pray to him, I love him and he will deliver me. God knows the test you're going through and getting ready to go through and church, he wants to help you. He wants to give you the power. He wants to give you the plan. He wants to give you his love and his spirit to enable you to pass your test. Some of you are caught in such a wicked cycle of misery and and self-worth because you quit seeking the Lord and you've sought the world. The only thing you've done is you've trusted God for salvation when you should have trusted him with everything in your being. And if you'll learn to trust him with everything, when the test in life come, you will pass. When the test in life come, he'll give you the faith, he'll give you the endurance, he'll give you the maturity to be able to pass the test. So let me quote, close with this quote that I heard from a young college student yesterday. God would not put you up against Goliath if he didn't put David inside you. God's not going to put you up anything you can't handle. It's time you handle it. And allow God to empower you, to infill you, to enable you to pass the test of life. So when you pass this life, you'll be able to, he'll be able to look at you and say, Well done, good and faithful servant. If you're tired of being caught in the misery and muck of life, quit trying to pass the world's test with the world's answers. It's time you allow God to give you the answers, to deliver you, to empower you, so that you can truly be a man and a woman of God. Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.